Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Whenever you see artist renditions of Jesus there on the cross, and of course we don't have an actual accurate picture exactly, but as people imagine the way it would be, it's usually a little bit dark. You see, there's a hill called Mount Calvary. We know that Jesus was crucified on, on that mount. And you have a cross. The cross that our Savior, Jesus Christ, he died on. But usually in the pictures, there's two more crosses there on the mount. There's actually three crosses. Here in our church, we have just the one. That's the one that our that represents our Savior Jesus Christ, his sacrifice for us, his love for us. But there were two other men that were crucified in the same place on the same day. Many of you would know the story about the trial and, and uh, uh, crucifixion of Jesus Christ. You know how that Jesus Christ, he was betrayed in the garden. You know that Judas came with a, with a crowd. He came with some soldiers, and they came to arrest Jesus Christ. There it was that his disciples all fled from him, and, and Jesus was arrested and taken before the council. He stood before the priests. He stood before the Jewish leaders there, and, and stood before them, and they brought accusation against him, accusation after accusation, and yet none of them could stick because none of them were true. They tried to catch him at the words that he said, and, and yet Jesus, being God, he was perfect. His words were perfect. His works were perfect. His deeds were perfect. They couldn't get anything. But still, they arrested him. They beat him because of who he said he was. He said that he was God because he was the Lord. He was God. But still, they arrested him. They took him before Pilate. And he stood before Pilate. He stood before Herod. He sent him back before Pilate. So here is Pilate. He's asking questions to Jesus Christ. And Jesus isn't answering anything. He's not saying anything. And, and Pilate comes before the crowd and he says, I find no fault in him. He's an innocent man. But they don't like that. So brings out another man, Barabbas, and Barabbas is there, Jesus is on the other hand, and there's a tradition that they would release one of those that were imprisoned unto the people. And Pilate said, who will I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas, Barabbas, we want Barabbas. And, and he said, what shall I do with Jesus? And they said, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said, why? He's an innocent man. And, and they cried out the more, crucify him. And so he washed his hand, he said, I, I don't believe this. And, and he tried to wash the hands of the situation. They took him away. They beat him. They whipped him. They took a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they led him away to be crucified. That's where we pick up the story here in Luke chapter number 23. And we won't take a look at the verses, but three times God makes sure to mention that when Jesus was carrying the cross to Calvary, that there were these two other men with him. So as they were traveling along the road to the place where they would be crucified, they were all together. 
the words that Jesus said, they would have heard. The way that Jesus responded to the scoffers and to the mockers, they would have seen and they would have heard. And there are the two men. Here is Jesus in the center. One man is crucified on the left. The other man is crucified on the right. One of these men died and he went to hell. The other man died and he went to heaven. Two men, both hanging on crosses, both there for the same reason. One of them died and he went to hell. The other one died and he went to heaven. Every one of us is one of these two men on the cross. This is a picture of all of mankind. I mean, you can try to divide up humanity in so many different ways. Men and women, adults, children, rich and poor, highly educated, not so highly educated. I mean, you can divide the world in so many different ways. iPhone, Android, those that love coffee, those that hate coffee. I mean, if you know me, you know which side I'm on. I'm on the coffee-loving side, amen? You can divide the world in so many different ways, but there's only one division that really matters. Are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? There's only one division that matters in this life because it's guaranteed that we will all die. It's guaranteed that we will face the creator of the world. It's a guarantee that we will face the judgment. There's only one division that matters. Are you going to heaven? Two men hanging on crosses at the same time. Which one are you? Which one are you? In verse number 43, we see that Jesus, he says one sentence to this one thief. This one malefactor. I want to take a look at four words this morning that I would like for you to remember. Four words. The first word is the word truth. The first word is the word truth. Jesus says in verse number 43, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee. The word verily means truth, or truly. I'm giving you the truth. That's what Jesus is saying. He's not saying this just to make the other man feel better about himself because he's in a bad situation, right? He's hanging on a cross. He's not in a good situation. He's not saying this to make him feel better or any other reason. He's giving to him the truth because the truth matters. Amen. The truth matters. When it comes to matters of life and death and eternity, you and I, we need to know the truth. When it comes to something so serious as life and death and, and, and our eternity... I don't want something that just makes me feel good. I want to know the truth. I want to know what's really going to happen. I want to know really what God's word says. It's important to know the truth because then you can respond appropriately. If you have a serious illness and you go to the doctor, you go to the doctor and you say, you know, doctor, there's something wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong. 
And he'll ask you, what are some of your symptoms? You know, why do, why do you say that? And you, you describe the, the, the pain. It's over here, and it's like this, and it's constant, it's strong. And, and sometimes I have better days and worse days. And he's, you know, he's thinking about all of these things. And he says, okay, well, you know, I have some ideas of maybe what it is, but, you know, let's run some tests. You know, maybe we'll get some x-rays or MRI or we'll take some blood tests and you get some tests and, and the doctor comes back and, and he's looking at all of this information and, and he finds out exactly what it is that you have. He's 100% sure that he knows what it is and it's not good. Let's say that you're in this situation and your doctor has taken all of these tests and he finds out that it's bad news. Now, the doctor wants to deliver that news carefully, but he also needs to deliver that news accurately, amen? You would expect the doctor to give you the news accurately, gently, but still truthfully. The doctor can't say, oh, you know what, I know that this is what it is, but uh, he's really not going to take this very well, so I'm going to leave that part out. No, that's not a good doctor, amen? You want a doctor who says, all right, you need to sit down. All right, I, wanna, I just want to give to you the truth. Why do you need to know the truth? So you can respond to the truth correctly, right? If you have cancer and the doctor says, don't worry about it, you got a cold, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to go over to this place and, and uh, talk to them and say that you need to get some chemotherapy treatment. You would say, you told me I have a cold. Why do I need to do that? right? You would say, that doesn't make sense. You say that I have a cold, so why do I need to do that? You say that I just, I just have the flu, and, and uh, so why are you telling me to do all of these different tests and do all of these different things, and why are you bringing out the word like surgery and all of these serious matters? Well, if the doctor withheld that information, it wouldn't make sense, but if he gave to you that information, then you would be able to respond appropriately, because if you thought you had a cold versus if you thought you had cancer, you would respond differently. You would respond differently, wouldn't you? If you had a cold, you might say, um, I'll just go home, take a few days off, get some rest. If you had something more serious, you would take it more seriously. And we need to know the truth. We need to recognize the truth so that we can respond to the truth. We need to hear the truth and, and have it, know it, recognize it so that we can respond to it. The truth of the matter was that these two men were hanging on the cross for a reason. Here is uh, this one thief in verse number 40. If you have your Bibles open there, he says, But the, the other answering him rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? The one thief is railing against Jesus. And the other thief says, Why are you doing that? Don't you fear God? We indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds. He says, We're here for a reason. We broke the law. And the law demanded that this would be the punishment. So we are here, rightfully so, you and me both. But the other thief didn't seem to think that. In verse number 39, it says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and me too and us. The other thief seems to have the idea, I don't deserve to be here. I shouldn't be here. I'm not that bad. I'm not that wicked. I'm not that evil. I don't really deserve to be here. The one thief thought that. The other thief said, you know what? I'm a sinner. I broke the law. Hey, there's a consequence for sin. There's a consequence for breaking the law. 
I am here, rightfully so. I'm receiving the due rewards of my deeds. The other man didn't seem to think so. But what is the truth? The truth is, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the truth. Hey, it may not be good news. You may not feel good. But you need to know the truth. Jesus is the great physician. He's the great doctor. So Jesus has to give you the hard news. He has to give you the difficult news. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Hey, and if you don't treat this, sin, there's an end that is coming. Jesus says, hey, I need you to sit down. I need you to sit down. I have some bad news. You're a sinner. And if you don't treat the sin, if you're not cured of the sin, if you're not cleansed of the sin, the wages of sin is death. The truth is that no one can make it to heaven with their sin. It must be cleared by Jesus Christ. And how will you respond to that truth? You've heard the truth. How are you going to respond to it? I remember when I was a student, I was in school. The teacher would teach some lesson and then give some exercises. Here, I just taught you this. Get some practice. And so all the students are working on whatever it is that they're working on. And the teacher would walk up and down the rows, right? You know, and asking, you know, how you doing? Need any help? You know, you have any questions? You know, just kind of looking and seeing what the students are doing. The teacher would ask the question, do you need help? And basically every single time the teacher asked me this, I would always say, in essence, no, I got it. Even if I didn't got it. Even if I had no idea what I was doing. I said, no, I got it. And I would sit there sweating. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing. I look over at the other guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. And I'm like, why did you ask? He's like, why did you ask? I would sit there. And the teacher would come and ask, do you need help? I would say, no, I got it. When I needed help. How are you going to respond to the truth this morning? Maybe your mentality this morning is, no, I got it. I don't need help. I'm fine. I'm a pretty good person. I try to do good. I'm here at church this morning. Amen. Hey, it's Easter Sunday. I was here on time. Hey, praise the Lord. I'm here. But each and every one of us needs help getting to heaven. None of us can get to heaven on our own. That's the truth. That's the truth of the matter. And we need to recognize the truth. I hope that you came here looking for the truth. Because here you'll find the truth. Because Jesus is the truth. And he gives the truth. And we hold the truth in our hands. The first word that we need is the word truth. The second word is the word the. Verse 43, and Jesus said unto him, verily, or truly, I say unto thee. I say unto you. There's a number of people that are here on the scene. I mean, usually when you picture the scene and people draw it out, it's usually kind of a dark, cloudy sky, as I mentioned. There's a mountain and there's three crosses, but they usually don't draw the people, but there's a number of people that are there around. Of course, there's Jesus in the center cross. There are two thieves on the other side. We know from other passages that there are the, the women that are there. Mary is there and some of the other women that are there. They're looking up at Jesus, weeping. 
We know that John the Apostle was there because Jesus spoke to John and he said, John, I want you to take my mother and take care of her. And so she went into the home of John the Apostle. So we know that John the Apostle was there. We know that there were Roman soldiers that were around. Of course, it was the Roman soldiers that nailed our Savior, Jesus Christ, to the cross. So there are Roman soldiers that are there. We also know that some of the priests and some of the, the leaders that were there had come by to mock and to scoff at Jesus Christ. So there's a number of different people there. Really, there's kind of a small crowd. The cross was not uh, put in a private place. It was put on a mountain where everybody could see. It was a public place. So a lot of people would have been able to see. A lot of people would have been around. It might even have been near a place where people might have walked by, at least to even see the crosses in the distance as a reminder not to break the Roman law. There's a lot of people there. But when Jesus says, I say unto thee, he's not speaking to everybody. He's not speaking to the Roman soldiers He's not speaking to the, the priestly leaders. He's not speaking to the women. He's not speaking to anybody. He's speaking to this one thief on the cross. I say unto thee, to you. Isn't it interesting how when you might be in a crowd of people, Jesus knows how to speak just to you. When you're in a big crowd of people, there might be a hundred people there. One person says your name and suddenly, whoop, you can hear your name. You know somebody's trying to talk to you. Somebody's calling out to you. That's what Jesus is trying to do to you. He's calling out your name. Just like he did to me. I remember when I was called into full-time ministry, I was, I was going to my home church in the Seattle area. I lived there for many years, and, and I'd gone into the church service at our midweek service. We had a service every single Wednesday night, and uh, still have services every single Wednesday night. And so I was going there to church on a Wednesday night, and I was there. Service started about 7 o'clock, and I walked in a little bit late, walked in, sat on the very back row. Usually Wednesday night, it's a little bit smaller crowd. Many people are working. Some people aren't able to make it and things like that. And so there's not that many people around, but there's people scattered all over the auditorium, and, and we're there for the service. And a pastor's preaching on something. I wish I could tell you what he was preaching on, but I can't remember what he was preaching on. All right? So if you forget sometimes what the preacher preaches on, I'll forgive you because it's happened to me. Amen? But I forgot, but I do remember this. It was nothing related to what... God was speaking to me about. God told me, Richard, you've never surrendered your life to me. And I said, well, yes, Lord. Yes, that's true. I mean, I have a plan for how I'm going to serve you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I played the piano, so I'm going to play the piano and uh, I was working, you know, I worked in the youth ministry before, you know, I'll probably serve there, maybe teach a class, you know, get a job and give, you know, ties and missions to the church and support in whatever way that I can. You know, I, I had my plan of what I wanted to do for God, and God said, how about you let me decide what you're going to do for me? I said, Lord, I guess you're right. You know, I had nothing to do with what pastor was preaching, but God knew how to speak my name. I say, Richard, I'm speaking to you about this. 
Isn't it interesting how God can speak to you? And if you're lost here this morning, if you're not saved here this morning, if you're not sure that you're on your way to heaven this morning, Jesus is trying to talk to you. There might be a big crowd of people here this morning, and many people from all over the place, but God is trying to talk just to you. Just like God was trying to talk just to me. And what God is trying to say to you is the truth. That for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That God is trying to say, and it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. God is trying to say that Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is trying to give the truth, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what God is trying to say to you this morning. Maybe you came in this morning, it's your very first time here, you've never been to our church before. God is trying to speak to you and say, you need to be saved. If you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior, that's what Jesus is trying to say to you. Maybe you've been here before, but you're not saved. God is trying to speak to you and say, you know that you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior. Hey, you've been to the church services before, you've been here before, but the truth is that you are one of the two people on the cross. One went to heaven and the other went to hell. I want everybody to be the one that goes to hell. So Jesus is trying to give you the truth. He's trying to sit you down so that he can give you the remedy, which is his sacrifice that is on the cross. There are two words that we saw so far. The first word is the word truth. The second word is the word the, you. The third word is the word today. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. You know, today is a big day. You know, we have a lot of big days in life, don't we? Our birthday is a big day, amen? Right? Literally, the day you were born, your birthday, it's a big day. Welcome to the world. It's a big day. Your first day at school, that's a big day. It's a great day. Scary day for some, exciting for others, it's a great day. When you first get your driver's license, oh man, that's a great day, amen? Freedom! It's a great day. It's a wonderful day. When you graduate, you graduate high school, you graduate college, I mean, those are exciting days. Those are big days. You have a lot of milestones in life. Your wedding day is a big, big, big day. You better remember that day, amen? Remember that day. Don't forget that day. It's a big day. Your kids' birthdays, the days they were born, those are big days. There's a lot of big days in life. A lot of exciting days, a lot of landmark days, a lot of important days. But today could be your biggest day ever. More important than the day that you graduated, more important than the day you got your driver's license, more important than the, first, the day you got your first job, more important than any other day because today could be the day that you are saved. T today could be the day when you know that you're on your way to heaven. Today could be that day. Here is the man hanging on the cross. He didn't have another day. 
He didn't have a lot of time where, well, if I just went to church a little bit longer, he couldn't do that. He was going to die that day. Oh, if I just give to the church and try to do some good deeds, he's hanging on a cross. He doesn't have that opportunity. But Jesus said to him, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Today you have finally met the Savior. Today, you have finally trusted in Christ as your Savior. Let today be that day. Maybe there's somebody here today. You've heard the truth. But you're not sure whether you want to receive the truth, whether you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. God makes it clear in 2 Corinthians, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till next year. You say, well, Easter comes every year. I'll be here at Easter next year. Don't wait till that time. Acts chapter number 24 is a, is a passage where Paul is meeting with Felix. He's one of the governors. Paul has been arrested in the city of Jerusalem, and he's been taken, and uh, he's standing before Felix, and, and uh, Felix and Paul are having a discussion. They're speaking together. And in verse number 25, it says, And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. When it's a convenient time for me to get saved, I'll get saved. The Bible seems to make it clear, that convenient season never came. The convenient season will never come. That's why you need to be saved today. That's why you need to trust in Christ as your Savior today. That's why you need to receive the truth today. Three words. Truth. The. Today. The last word. Trust. The word is trust. Verse number 42 says, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me. Jesus. I'm trusting in you. I know that I won't make it to the kingdom because I was a good man. Look at me. I'm hanging on a cross. I was a malefactor. I was a thief. I broke the law. Jesus, I know I won't make it to the kingdom because I did some good things. Jesus, I know I won't get to heaven because I gave. I won't get to heaven because of the things that I did. I'll only get to heaven, Jesus, if you remember me. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Lord, I'm trusting in you. Lord, if you don't take me to heaven, there's no way I'm getting to heaven. There's no way for me to get there. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth, in him should not perish but have everlasting life you can be saved today not because of the good works not because you're going to live a life full of giving and sacrificing you only get to heaven one way by trusting in jesus christ as your savior today could be the day god says now today is the day of salvation trust in jesus christ as your savior today. That's what the resurrection is all about, to give salvation to the lost. And that's why we are here today, to celebrate the hope of eternal life.
there are two men hanging on crosses on either side of Jesus Christ. One died and he went to heaven. The other died and he went to hell. Which one are you?